Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. A couple of years ago when I first became a dad, I'll never, I will never forget this moment. My daughter must have been about six months old and she was uh, sitting up on the couch with me, or you know, best she could, and I'm on my phone. And as I'm just scrolling through, doing nothing, I just turn around, and there she is, just staring at me. And I go, what, what am I doing? The most precious moment. I mean, these are the moments that everyone tells you about. When you have them, they go past so quick, right? Parents, you say this to other people when they come parents for the first time, or if you're a young parent here, people say to you, those moments go so quick, you have to enjoy every one. And we know that, right? We all know we want all these moments in life to count, but I wasn't doing it. And I saw this moment just passing me by. I threw my phone across the room, hit the neighbor in the head. And I was like, I am got to be present. I have to be in this moment right then and there. And this is kind of what we want to do in this series. We're going to begin with an assumption. And I think it's a fair assumption to have in that you really do want your life to count. You want your life to count for something significant. But here's the thing. Life is complicated. There's no easy rule book for it. Life isn't black and white. Your life is complicated. You are balancing many responsibilities and commitments and relationships. Life is complicated, but you want it to count. And so in this series, we want to help with that. And so over the next few weeks, we want to be delving into this. It's going to be really, really super practical and hopefully really challenging because this is it. This is your moment right now. Stephen turned to me at the start of the service and said, we should have done like that Eminem song, you know, that what, you've got one shot, you know. Actually, I might play it. I, I don't, I don't, no, Rowan won't let him touch his guitar. One week. We'll do it one week in this series, okay? We'll bust out Eminem. We'll be the first church in the world to ever do Eminem on a Sunday. But anyways, um, so here's the thing. We were starting with this assumption that you want your life to count. And I think that's a fair assumption to have, particularly if you understand anything about the nature of the heart of God towards you. The very Christian message is a message that God sees incredible value in your life, that He gave His own life for you. This idea that God doesn't see you as worthless, but worth so much, and that ultimately your life is meant to count for something. So on that basis is where we want to uh, jump into this series this week. Now, sociologists in all their great study of society and how they try to pull together like empirical data and research of trends and culture and styles, they try and get patterns in all the different excuse me, in all the different generations about their views of the world, about how they engage with their future and how they see their life. And they've told us now that there's a few patterns that you can see in all the different age brackets. So for all the millennials, okay, if you were born somewhere in around the mid 80s, around 83 up until about 1999, if you were born somewhere there, sociologists now tell us that the dominant worldview that you have or the idea of your life and your time and the, the years you've been given, the dominant worldview around it is this worldview. It's the idea of YOLO. You guys all know what YOLO stands for? You only live very, oh man, even the 8.30 service said it better than that this morning. Okay, you only live, okay, that's kind of better. So, so it's this idea that looking at the moment, it's like, oh, you know, I don't know how long my life's going to be. I've got to maximize the moment, you know, YOLO, and kind of live in the moment, be in the moment. And as much as I think a whole great attitudes that come with the idea of YOLO, there's sometimes a little bit of, uh, I guess, carefree living that can come with it. People have often made unwise decisions, not caring about the consequence of their actions. And we kind of just go YOLO. But wherever it sits, this seems to be a, a dominant perspective that it happened with millennials. Now, the same sociologists have looked at the data when it comes to Gen Zers, So those who were born from about the year 2000 onwards. And they look at the future and how they approach their life. Who was born in the year 2000 or afterwards? Where are you? Where are you? Okay, there's a few of them. Oh my goodness. Uh, um, Americans call you homelanders because... 
the Homeland Security Office was started in 2001, and you've only known Homeland Security, but we're in America, so it doesn't really matter. But anyways, um, it's this idea that it's not YOLO. So Gen Z's view of the world and view of their life and view of their opportunities isn't YOLO. It's this one. It's similar, but very different. FOMO. We're not this, who knows what FOMO means? Fear of missing out. You got it. Okay, so it's this idea that, man, I can't be present. I can't maximize the moment because there might be a better moment happening somewhere else. And although I'm here now doing what I've got, we're too aware now of what everyone else is doing. We're fearful that we won't experience what someone else is experiencing. And so we never truly maximize the moment we have got right now. Now, you might not see yourself in that YOLO worldview, that FOMO worldview. Maybe that comes in and back and forth. But we all have an approach to life. We all have an approach to the time we've been given. And so the question I want to begin this series with is simply this. What is your relationship with time? What's your relationship with time? And this could often seem like an odd question. And particularly depending on where you're at in the season of life, we can so often be focused on one day when, and in the future when I have my life sorted or my kids have finally left home, or one day when I have kids or when I I get a house, whatever it might be, we can often be looking for one day when, when we think in terms of our goals, when we turn, thinking in terms of making our lives count. But I wanna challenge you in this idea to recognize that the only day that is guaranteed for you and for I is today. And this is it. And we have an opportunity today with our lives to make every moment count. And rather than think you have to wait to have all your ducks in a line and have all your life sorted and have your career or your degree or enough money or whatever it might be, or have a finally be in that relationship with that girl or guy, wherever it is in your life, you have the opportunity with your life to make it count today. And in fact, this is so, so important to talk about because your life has unbelievable potential and your life has unlimited potential to make a difference and to be fulfilled and to seem like your life can be significant. And so over the course of this series, we wanna look at what it means to make your life count. Now there is a prayer that was prayed uh, three and a half thousand years ago. Think of that for a moment. Three and a half millennia ago, Joe said we were like, what, 80 days away from the end of this decade? Well, I'm talking three and a half thousand years, okay? And it was a man named Moses. And if you're not familiar with kind of the Bible or Bible history. If you were to get a Bible today, it's kind of split in two. You've got an Old Testament, which is pretty much all the scriptures written up to the life of Jesus. And then from the birth of Jesus, you have what's known as the New Testament. Well, in the Old Testament, the first five books were written by a man named Moses who lived around about 1500 years before Jesus. And he not only did he write the first five books, but he had a few other little writings scattered throughout some of the Old Testament, particularly in the book of Psalms. And in one Psalm, which means Psalms is pretty much a book of songs. There's one particular prayer that he prays. I want to look at it. Psalm 90, verse 12. And this is what Moses writes. He says, it's a prayer to God. He says, Lord, teach us, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So what's he ultimately saying? He's saying, Lord, teach me to place value on the days that I have. Teach me to know that my days aren't endless. They're limited and they're not even guaranteed. Teach me to number them so that I may live, not by the, the, the passing sands of seasons or culture or tra- fa- wow, of fads or trends. I was gonna say fens and trads. That's my brain, third service speaking, okay. Um, or, even, or even to compare my life to the Joneses. Help me to live with wisdom. Now, here's what blows my mind. Three and a half thousand years ago, obviously 
caring about having a life that counts mattered to people. So this isn't simply a new phenomena with the advent of technology and you know, kind of travel and all the communication we've got right now that all of a sudden we're all wanting our lives to really count for something. Three and a half thousand years ago, this guy was praying, Lord, would you teach me to number my days so I can live with a heart of wisdom? Now, what does the word number here mean? Because it's like, am I supposed to count? Like count all my days, one, two, three. Oh, I can't count that far. No, no. The best way of interpreting what the word number means, in fact, one of the better literal uh, translations of to number my days is better translation translated as a point. As if to say, Lord, teach me to appoint my days, to appoint them. How do I break this down? So if you think for a moment, think of your, and every passing day that you have in your life. If you live by a diary, right? If, you live, if you've got a calendar in your life, you'll appoint, time in your diary to do certain tasks and activities. Or so you should, but we'll get to that in just a moment. So, so you appoint every task you've got or all your responsibilities, you locate them a time. That's what he's honestly saying here is, God, teach me to appoint all the things in my life. Teach me to give them an assignment or ultimately teach me to give them all a purpose so I can maximize every moment of every single day. Teach me to appoint my days. Teach me to appoint my moments. And in other words, he's praying this, and this is where I want to tap in for tonight's message. He's saying, are you appointing every day that you have? Are you appointing every moment in your days? Meaning, if you look at all your days and all your responsibilities and the life you are living, are you living it on purpose? For example, have you ever got to an end of a day and gone, where the heck has this day gone, right? Well, let me put it another way to you. We're in like mid-October now. Has anyone wondered where the heck has this year gone? And what's amazing is when you don't appoint your days, when you don't set up what you're hoping to achieve and what you're hoping to accomplish and where responsibilities should go, time can fly by just like this and almost like sand falling through your fingers. It can be like, where have my days gone? And often the problem with that is we simply haven't appointed our days. We haven't appointed our times. And so here's what I want to challenge you with. Are you appointing the responsibilities and commitments in your life? Or let me put it another way to you. Are you being present when you're in the room? Are you simply being in the room that you are in? Meaning this, when you're at work, are you actually at work or are you scattered somewhere else? When you're in class, are you in class or are you somewhere else? Let's talk about more meaningful things. When you're home, are you home? Are you in the room? When you wake up in the morning, you got with your family there and I don't care what age you are, are you present? Are you there? And too often we can miss the moments and, and they don't count for what they could count for because although we're in the room, we're not really in the room. Some of you tonight are in the room, but you're not, you know, in the room. Okay, as soon as the guy with the mustard shirt got up, you're like, okay, I'm checking out, right? But we, we do this, right? We can often be in a commitment or be with community or be with family somewhere. And although we're present, we're not really truly present. And this can often be a challenge in our life when we really want to make our lives count, but yet we haven't appointed our moment. So for instance, okay, take weekends. Have you ever got to an end of a weekend and Monday morning rocks up and you're like, where did that weekend go? And you can sometimes feel more tired on a Monday getting to work than you did at the end of last Friday, right? Now here's the amazing thing. Weekends are actually a pretty brand new invention. They're not like a staple in the course of you know, history. 
So in fact, where we first see any sign of a weekend was funny enough in the Old Testament where God appointed a day known as the Sabbath. And he pointed it to the Jewish people and he said, one day a week, one day in seven, I want you to stop working. And this was, this, you have to understand, this was such a foreign idea. What, don't work for a day? You know, how will we eat? How will we survive? You know, we've got to work. We don't have refrigerators to put stuff in. And God was like, you need to learn to trust me. I just want you to put aside a day where you can just rest. And it's one of the most unique things that separate the ancient Jewish people from the rest of the world. But here's the thing, just because you have a weekend that the Australian government has set aside for you to not work, it doesn't mean you're gonna feel rested at the end of it. You need to appoint time to actually rest in your life. Rest doesn't happen by accident. Same with your finances. If you don't appoint where your money will go, you will always ask the question at the end of your payment cycle, where has all my money gone? Because you didn't appoint it. Same with boundaries and relationships. If you don't appoint boundaries, you were there going, whoa, how did we get here? Because you didn't appoint. Okay. <laughs> um, here's a fun one. Date nights. Okay, I remember being a young married dude and people talk about, you gotta make sure you have date nights. And I'd be like, date night? Bah, that sounds boring. I'm a newlywed. Every night's date night. <laughs> and then Willa came along. He's my daughter. And I'm like, when was the last time we had a date night? You got to point them. So this, this, like, this hit me like a brick to the face when I was in high school. I remember sitting in, we're in term four now, right? So you're about to have presentation nights and graduation nights. And if you're a parent here, your kids and parents love going to those nights. Kids have to get dressed up. Kids love getting dressed up in their school uniform midweek. The best thing. And so, so I remember sitting in this auditorium, being at those presentation nights. And it must have been around grade nine or grade 10. And I was, something I noticed, and it confused me because I saw like the same people on stage in my grade getting all the awards. And like, I'd usually get, if I was lucky, you know, the participation in English or something, right? <laughs> Anyone love the participation awards? Who's got like the room lit? Without, hey, without the participation awards, we wouldn't be included, right? So stoked. But then I'd see these people and they weren't just getting excellence for like academic stuff, like, you know, math, science, English. They're also getting like excellence in like sport and in the arts, and those same people were then getting community awards for their volunteerism. I'm like, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How is this even happening? Because it dawned on me, I was in all the same classes as these people. I was in the room with them, but I wasn't in the room. And I wasn't making every moment that I was given in my life count. I wasn't numbering my days and I wasn't living with a heart of wisdom. And here's, here's what does my head in. We all have exactly the same amount of hours in every single given day. And the crazy thing is, it is the one resource that you and I, once it's spent, once your time is spent in a day, you can never get it back. You can get every other resource in your life back. If you lose your health, you can work to gain it. If you lose your money, you can work hard to gain it. But once you've lost time, it's gone forever. And the crazy thing is, you don't know how much time you've got. So it is becoming of us to make Every moment of our lives count. And at risk of sounding oversimplistic, I don't know how to put it in any other way other than learn to be in the room. When you're in the room with your family, put the phone away. Be in the room with your family. When you're in class, let me, okay, if you're in high school for a moment, this is literally, I wasn't the most academic person in high school. That side of my brain kicked in when I was about 20 and I finally went to uni, okay? So, but here's all I learned in school. I wasn't lazy. That's another talk for another day, but I wasn't the brightest person. So my thing was this, this is, this is important, right? I just decided I'm gonna make sure I never leave 
any one of my classes without understanding what was taught in that class. That was it. I wasn't heaps good at studying. I never did homework. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I didn't. But what I did decide was when I'm in the room, I have to learn to be in the room. So if the teacher taught something that didn't make sense, I'd do this. Excuse me, sir. What do you mean by that? Ah, oh, that makes sense now. And he goes, well, you would have understood it the first time if you weren't, you know. So when you're in the room, be in the room. There's a term uh, that's, well, the, it's not just a term, it's a topic. It's a study now that's really broad. There's many books written on it now. And it's humorous to me that in fact, the right books on this because barely 15 years ago, this was never an issue in the story of mankind. And it's this idea known as deep work, deep work, D-double-E-P. And it's this notion that um, employers and companies and institutions are finding out now that even though we have an excess of technology and an excess of education and excess of information, the work productivity of employees is massively lower than it's ever been before. And tasks that should have taken only this amount of time are taking this amount of time. And the depth of work that should have been this deep is only now this deep. And they're finding now that we lack something that's called deep work. And they've recognized that deep work, meaningful work, true work, people's best work only kicks in and only happens when you've been undistracted and solely committed to a task for several hours straight. Meaning you have to be committed to whatever it is you're doing, whether it's studying or working or writing or reading for at least three to four hours unencumbered. But now because our lives are so ding, 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 there's emails, there's messages, there's texts, we jump on our feeds, we get anxiety, has someone liked this or that? You know, I'm fear of missing out on the world that's happening around me. We are never fully present. And so we never fully devote ourselves to the task we've got. And we wonder why we're not getting our best work done. And the fear and the, and the, the true crisis with this is you and I have so much untapped potential that we never truly tap into because we are so distracted and we're not present in the rooms or the tasks that we've got. And so when we're not present, we end up neglecting our potential. And this is a huge danger for all of our lives and no one is exempt from it. Our world, we've been ambushed, right? This is no one's fault. Our lives have been ambushed. And this is why it's so important for us to talk about making it count right now. Is no one, no one will force you how to spend your life and whether or not you want to make it count. And no one can truly draw out the potential inside of you more than you can. And again, you and I need to learn what it is to be fully present in the moment. And so here's what they're finding. People that stick to their task or stick to that relationship or stick to that commitment without distraction. It's, it's like you have to dig a little before like this kind of this well or this spring or this fountain of creativity and intelligence and ideas and flow begins to happen. Have you ever noticed that before? It's like you can be reading something for hours and hours and then boom, the idea just makes sense. It's because you've got into a place called deep work. But if we're always skimming over the surface in life, skimming in the rooms we're in, skimming in our relationships, we never fully find the potential of any opportunity that we've got and we fail to make it count. And as much as that might be true with work and with study, the tragedy is this can often be true with our relationships. And maybe you're in a relationship with someone right now, maybe it's your kid or your dad or your wife or your friend, whatever it might be, with God. And you're like, I just feel like it's not deep. I would humbly submit to you. It's maybe because you were, when you're in the room, you're not really in the room. When I get home from work, there's a little nook in the corner of my kitchen where things are hidden. A phone goes straight there and I get on my girl's level and I just play on the floor with her. And when I'm in the room, I'm in the room. At dinner time, we sit there as a family together. When we're at the table, TV's off, classical music's on, candles lit, and we're in the moon. We're in the... (laughs) 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 <laughs> I'm like, 
Okay, hey, point made. Yeah, that's date night. <laughs> but this is, this is our fear, right? This is FOMO. That we fear we won't, our relationships won't live up to their potential. That maybe we won't get the marks we want, or maybe our career won't go as far as we want. We feel we'll miss out on something. So we freak out that maybe our potential won't be met. And life is complicated and we want to make it count. Well, Jesus speaks right into that tension in our lives. One of the most profound sermons that Jesus ever preached is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. And here's how it goes. This is from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. He goes on. He makes an analogy. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. They do not reap. They don't store away into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. And he brings the point home and makes it personal. He says, are you not much more valuable than they are? And here's the clincher. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Jesus recognized you can't add time to your life. Time is only disappearing from your life. And by worrying and by being fearful and by being anxious about your future, he said that is never going to add any more time or any more hours or any more moments to our life. And this can often be the fear that we have because we want to make our lives count. And we look at all the things we're balancing. We're balancing relationships. We're balancing study. We're balancing careers. We're balancing commitments. We're balancing our responsibility. We're balancing all these things. It can feel like we're spinning so many plates. And it can often feel like that our plates are just overflowing with commitments and responsibilities. In fact, this is exactly what your life might look like right now. A picture of this. I took a picture of your life and here's what it looks like. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> Whose life looks like this, right? You feel like your life is just overflowing, right? In fact, that looks pretty good. Whose life wants to look like this, right? But this is a vibe, right? That we feel like our plates can be so full, so full. And we're worried because we have so many commitments in our lives. Our plates are too full that we're not going to get enough done. We cannot fully devote ourselves to our marriage or our kids or our, the person I'm dating or my, my career or saving money. I've got too many things in my plate. My plate is absolutely jam-packed. And so we worry and we worry. And so we sometimes think, okay, in order for me to make these things in my life count, I need to get a few things off my plate. I'm involved in too many things. And why that might sometimes be the case. I want to submit to you that you don't simply need to get stuff off your plate all the time. Sometimes what you need to learn to do is to get a bigger plate because your life has unbelievable potential on it. And you need to learn to grow your capacity and not to shrink back from commitments and shrink back from relationships and shrink back from living a full life. But it's recognizing maybe you've just never given yourself the best shot because every time you're in the room, you're never in the room. <laughs> but if you can learn to be in the room, maybe you'll learn how to handle responsibilities that you've got and realize, hang on a second, I'm killing it. I could do this. I can succeed. I can apply myself. I can study this. I can build a great family. I can do this. And you know what? Yes, you can. In the words of Bob the Builder that my daughter always sings, can you build it? Yes, you can. Okay, thanks, Bob the Builder. Okay, so, so here's the thing. When we think about, you know, getting a bigger plate and being able to handle all the, you know, making it all count, making our lives count, um, Christians, Christians sometimes do what Christians love to do, we over-spiritualize certain things. So if you're a Christian here and you're someone who's maybe not yet sold and hold Jesus and you're not sure where you fit with that, what we're going to say next is going to sound so weird to you. That's totally cool. This is kind of just for something that Christians will be like, oh yeah, that's what we do. But it'll also give you an inside kind of scoop to how 
our, our brains kind of work sometimes. Often when we feel like, okay, if I'm gonna get better at this, I've got to make my life count and I've got to like learn to balance all these things that I'm carrying on my plate. Here's what Christians love to do. And we all know this, right? We all do this. We love to praft. Am I right? We praft. We do this, don't we? Like we are the best prafters in the world. Who's with me, right? What the heck does praft mean? I'm glad you asked. P-A-R-A-F-T. We've got, here's my solution. Here's my solution to everything. I've got to pray more. I've got to read my Bible more. I've got to ask God for His help more. I've got to fast more. And I've got to tithe more. We think we've got to praft. And don't get me wrong, prafting's awesome. And you should praft. And if you're a follower of Jesus here and you don't praft, get prafting. Okay? But I want to submit to you, maybe the way in which you're going to learn to grow in your capacity and learn to make your life count for something greater and learn to dig deep into whatever responsibilities or commitments you have. Maybe it's not crafting simply that you need to engage more and more in. I want to submit to you that perhaps the greatest thing you can do is pod. You need to pod more. Amen? What the heck does pod mean? Okay. You need to learn to prioritize. You need to learn to get organized and you need to discipline. Prioritize, organize, discipline. So not sexy, so not popular, so not cool, but so, so, so vital in wanting to make your life count. And here's, here's often the issue, right? Is you and I, we, we, can, we can often tend to not be on purpose about our priorities in our life. And so we find ourselves spending the time we've got, the limited, finite resource, and we don't even know how much we've got. And we spend it on things that truly aren't our greatest priorities. And the tragedy with this is, right, you know how much you hate wasting money on something that ended up being a waste of money? Like if you, you budget a certain amount in your week to go to a nice restaurant, and when you go to the restaurant, the food was really ordinary. You're like, what a waste of money. Or you spend 50 bucks to go see a movie. I don't know how much movies cost these days, but you spend 50 bucks. Feels like that. Go see a movie. And then the movie's absolutely rubbish. You're like, I wasted it. But yet we so often waste the most precious resource we have, time, on things that ultimately aren't your intentional priorities. And you've just never listed them. You've just never written down your priorities. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. Literally tonight, when you get home, I want you to start writing down your priorities. I want you to begin to pod. And you write them down. I don't care if there's 10 on the list. I don't care if there's 20 or 50 on the list. Write all the things that are in your life, the things that matter to you, your commitments, your relationships, the things you're interested in. Write them all down and list them in order. Highest priority to bottom priority. And then, then this is a really important step. You need to organize them somewhere into your week. Appoint them, as Moses said, number them in your calendar. Some things might need half an hour a week. Some things might need half an hour a day. Some things might need two hours a day. Some things might need five hours per week. Whatever it is, according to your priorities, you then organize them into your week. Some things you just do on Saturday. Some things you do Monday to Friday. Whatever it is, you organize them into your week. And then here's the hard one. Do it. Get disciplined at them. Now, here's the thing. Usually, can we have that previous slide up again just so we can be reminded it's P-O-D? Anyone know that band? Anyone remember that band? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what, I don't even know what that meant, but okay. So here's the thing. Usually, usually you and I are good at, are naturally good at at least one of these. Maybe you're like, oh, I naturally am good at prioritizing. I'm naturally good at, like one of them you're usually normally good at. Another one, and you're probably thinking of this now, it's like, you know you could be good at it if you work at it, but you just often don't. But you could, you're sometimes good. And then there's one we all just are rubbish at, right? Like, I need to work hard at it. So for me, prioritizing, it's always come natural to me. Organizing my priorities, know what's important to me and go for it. Discipline, I've had to work at it, but it's now one of the strengths of my life. 
organizing, naturally rubbish. So I've, I've read stuff, I've got advice and mentors in my life that have helped me to get organized, okay? So but whatever it is in your life, here's the thing. We, we could, and I know we're in church, so we often think we've got to praft over things and get really spiritual, but I want to encourage you, maybe the thing you need to do for your life, maybe the thing that you need to grow in that's going to cause your life to count is pod. You need to prioritize, you need to organize, and you need discipline. And here's the thing. I know there's a part of us right now that's going, I need to do that, I need to do that. But we often get so discouraged about doing this because we know usually our discipline is rubbish. That's why we don't make it count. We never do deep work. We never commit. We're always distracted. We're distracted. We're distracted. And because we're distracted, we can never be disciplined. And the reason often we can't get disciplined is because you've simply not organized your life. And the reason you often haven't bothered to organize your life is because you simply haven't prioritized what's most important. And because you haven't done that for yourself, your life has done that on your behalf. Your emails will, your gaming will, um, the sales will, social media will, someone else will. If you don't number your days, someone else will gladly number them for you. So teach me to number my days. Now, Jesus speaks right into this tension about prioritizing. In the next part, we read before, he's saying how, hey, don't worry, worrying can't add a single hour to your day. And in the very next passage, he goes on with his teaching and says this. He says, but, so here's a solution, all right? If you want to add a moment to your day, which can never happen, here's a solution. Seek first, seek first God's kingdom. He's talking about priorities, right? Seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness and all these things. What things? All these things, meaning all these things that you're carrying in your plate, your commitments, your relationship, all these things we're worried about. He said, all these things will be given to you as well. When you get your priorities right and when you put God right in the center of your world, it will be amazing how your priorities come in order. And when you start to list your priorities and you start organizing them in your life, you'll be like, I don't have enough room in my week to put all these things on the list. And so you'll find yourself getting rid of all these priorities. That's right, because you want to make your life count. And you might find yourself that spending 20 hours a week gaming no longer makes your life count for what you want it to count for. You're like, I can give it two hours a week, but not 20. Okay, I'm going to move on from that because I know half of you hate me right now, okay? But here's the thing, when you get your priorities right, and Jesus is saying, when you learn to put God as your priority, He will start to shape and to wire and to put priorities in order. And this is so, so important, right? Because here's the thing. Every company is trying to teach you what you should prioritize. Companies and businesses and artists, they're all trying to say, prioritize this, prioritize this. Your heavenly father is the one person on the planet who has laid down his life for you. If there's one person who cares about your life and if there's one person who's given everything to see you make your life count, it is your heavenly father. And he's the one saying, hey, I know what's best. And if you would put me right at the center of your life, I'm gonna cause all your priorities to fit together as they should. And so therefore he says, do not worry about tomorrow. Stop having FOMO. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day. What day? Today it has enough trouble of its own. And so here's Jesus giving this huge encouragement about the kingdom of God and put God right at the center. And often when we think in terms of, okay, I've got to like put God in the center of my world and I've got to chase the kingdom of God. We can often think in terms of one day when, when my life gets right, I will finally attain to living like that. Jesus is saying tomorrow is not guaranteed and tomorrow will worry about itself. All you have to worry about and the place you need to find yourself present in is today. To give yourself fully to the moments that you are in. To be present. I remember when I was a teenager and I used to come to church every single week. 
For me, I would have a notepad and a pen and I would write down the notes from every single sermon because it just helped me focus and be clear in the service. When I'd hear something, i go, man, that's good. I didn't want to forget it and I didn't want to be distracted. So I'd write down and write down and write down. Now I do it on my phone. I'll be writing notes down. And so whenever I have a spare moment in my life and I, I lock aside time my weeks, I'm like, what have I read and re- written down recently? I'll go back to my phone. I'm like, oh man, that's good stuff. Ah, oh, yeah, I can do that. I'm going to put that into place now, right? So here's the thing. All you've got is this moment right now. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And the incredible thing is this. As you begin to seek first God's kingdom, you'll learn something amazing. That God can make every moment of your life count. Every moment. And not to waste a single day. You're, man, if, I, I wish, I wish, I wish we would learn to value every moment that we have on this planet to value our life so richly, to value the hours and the minutes and the seconds we've been given and recognizing that your life has unbelievable potential and your heavenly Father loves you so much that you learn to put Him right in the middle of your life. He will teach you. That's what Moses prayed, right? Teach me to number my days. God will teach you to make every single moment count. The kingdom of God is not something in the future or one day when, when I get all my life sorted and I get mature enough and I have enough money and I can finally sort my life out. It's here today, right now. So I wanna encourage you and challenge you. Be present. We sung this song earlier that all we know is God is that you are here right now. So you too as well, be present. A couple of years ago, my wife and I, we bought a, we bought a new block of land. It's something we've been praying for and saving for. And we're like, this is, we're going to have to build our dream house and raise our kids in it. Like we were just so stoked. A couple of years have gone now and it's just been delay after delay after delay after delay. And so nothing's happened yet. And so we're still waiting. And many of you have been in that situation before. It can be very, very frustrating. But when we first bought it, we were like, cool, this is going to be so good. We want to be able to, we finally want to be able to entertain people in our home. We want to run a connect group in our home. We want to have people around at home. We want to be hospitable, all these things. Because in the interim, we're now living in this like shoebox of a townhouse. It's tiny. And so we're like, so I was like, man, we can't do it obviously here. So this delay after delay, man, this is just this is so annoying. And then my wife turns to me and goes, why do we have to wait till we've got a new house to be able to do this? This is important, right? I'm like, yeah, but look how small our kitchen is. Look how small this space is. And Chloe's like, let's just do it now. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Like, let's, let's, sure, it's going to be packed. Sure, it's going to be uncomfortable, but let's do it. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we started running our connect group. And yeah, it's packed and squished, but it's, it's actually kind of awesome. And I wouldn't give it up for anything. And I realized something. Things aren't always going to be how we want them, when we want them. We can't decide everything. As Jesus said, tomorrow, it's got enough trouble. And those troubles will sort themselves out. Deal with what you've got today. Be present with what you've got today. You can't change everything. So be in the room. Commit yourself fully to what you've got. Today isn't simply a stepping stone to another day because if you treat today as simply a stepping stone, you'll never truly value today and therefore today will never be the stepping stone you want it to be to something better. You have to give your life to every moment. But here's what happens. When you are present, being present, it will unleash the potential that is on your life. 
Chloe and I, as we began this connect group, we're like, we don't have it all sorted out, but we're going to start something. It has caused it to flourish. It's helped us to build community and friendships. But what is it for you? What have you been putting off? What have you been saying one day when? When I get enough, when I figure this out, when I get there, I want to challenge you. Be present today. Give everything you've got today. Make every day count. And the potential that is inside of your life will begin to flourish, begin to grow, and you'll be able to begin doing the extraordinary. Here's my question I want to leave with us tonight and as we kick off this series. It's a simple question. I want you to ask it. Am I in the room? Am I in the room? If you were to ask this to people in your life, what would they say? If you asked your spouse, what would he say? If you asked your parents, if you asked your kids, if you asked your teacher, If you ask your boss, am I in the room? Well, no, you're kind of a bit scattered. Okay. What if you ask your heavenly father? Am I in the room? And if you can't answer yes to that for any particular area in your life, my encouragement to you is simple. Be in the room. Do what you've got to do to be present. And learn as Moses prayed three and a half thousand years ago to number your days so that you can gain a heart of wisdom. Heavenly Father, that's our prayer tonight. We, um, we just all feel that huge tug and pull towards, <coughs> excuse me, towards copying other people and FOMO and just doing what we've always naturally done. But Lord, we kind of have a hunch that you see something greater in our lives. And so I pray that our lives would now be gripped by a sense of wanting to make every day and every moment count. So our prayer is like Moses's. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to appoint our days. Teach us to live with purpose. Teach us to be in the room so that we may gain a heart of wisdom, so that we may live wisely. We pray this in the name. (laughs) That one name that not only do we sing about, but that name that has changed our lives forever. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.